gospel uh, Ephesians chapter 6 Ephesians chapter 6 and I want to preach this morning for a little while on the enemy we're on uh, the family God's burdened me about preaching on the family and we're getting ready we're in a series called uh, fragmented families putting fragmented families together but before we can do that we got to realize that we're under attack we got to realize that there is a devil, and the devil's just not a thought or an ideal. The devil is a real person. The devil is a real being. He is the second most powerful being in the known universe. Only God is stronger and greater than Satan. Lucifer, the anointed cherub uh, that covered the throne when he fell because iniquity was found in him, become Satan, uh, become the slanderer, become the adversary, become uh, uh, the Leviathan. And he hates everything that God has created. The devil has a seething hatred inside of him. And I put on their title, the message today is the devil likes to fish. Now, Sass, she took a little offense to that first thing this morning because she thought I was saying anybody likes to fish is the devil. And That'd make me the devil because I love to fish. And that's not true. Uh, just because the devil likes to fish doesn't mean we shouldn't. The, uh, a lot of the apostles were fishermen. And the Lord, I dare say, he liked to fish. Uh, he sure liked to cook bread and fish on the fire. Uh, he served bread and fish quite a bit. And boy, there ain't nothing better than a good fish fry. We do one about every two years around here. There are a lot of work. But, uh, boy, I tell you what, they're, they're good. They're good. I like bread and fish uh, on the fire. Uh, not the same day as we're catching and cleaning the fish, but I, I do like bread and fish on the fire. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, the devil, he likes to fish. And so let's get some scripture. Let's try to get this thought and let's get uh, in context with what God's trying to teach us this morning. Now, Ephesians 6. If you notice the book of Ephesians, I was in chapter 5. And he addressed addresses the husbands, then he addresses the wives, and now in chapter 6 he's going to address children. And so it's the Lord talking about the family structure, and then he gives us a warning. Verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So children, kids, little ones, teenagers, you need to obey your parents and your grandparents. Uh, sometimes grandparents got to raise children. Uh, but he says you need to obey them. And then he says, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. He says that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. Yeah, that's right. Uh, if you don't ever learn how to obey your mama and daddy at home when they tell you, hey, stop what you're doing, you keep doing it, that could get you shot. There's a lot of that that goes on today. And everybody's all beside themselves. Well, I just can't believe they shot him. Well, they was getting ready to pull a gun on a cop. Come on now. I mean, I, I was raised that you never point anything at an officer. And I was raised with, if an officer tells you to do something, you do it, even if they're wrong. You want to know why? Because the judge is there to listen to your side. Well, I got quiet. Well, we support the blue. You might not, I do. Because authority matters. And law and order matters in our world and God did set it up and we've got a problem in our country today because mothers and fathers have allowed their kids to disobey and the kids don't respond till mom and dad start hollering screaming and jumping up and down that's gonna get your child killed you shouldn't have to tell your kid uh, to do something your child more than once maybe twice if it goes after that, it's rebellion straight up, folks. You know, I didn't mean to get off on this, but I got on it, and, and so we're going to, and we'll, we'll read, we'll get to it. But, you know, I think some of you parents and grandparents would do well, and I, I don't often recommend watching worldly shows, but that dog whisper, Caesar Milan, that's not a bad show to watch, and I'll tell you why. I'm not saying your kids are dogs or animals. 
But he approaches that thing. That man can see when a dog is getting ready to attack. Anybody ever watch those shows? And he'll know they're going to attack before the owner. And he's actually rehabilitating people, not the animal. The animal's just a responder. An animal's doing what an animal does. An animal is going to establish a pecking order. And so it's going to run the show. And you've got to teach it and train it that you're the pack leader. Uh, that's what you're doing in your homes. Dads and moms, grandmas and grandpas. You're in charge, not your kid. And I know we love our grandkids. We know, oh man, these the kid, they're spoiled rotten. I let them get away with murder. But that, you know, you still got to train them and discipline them and bring them up in the nurture and ammunition of the Lord. But you get to go to tell them do something, and they just kind of look at you like, I don't know whether I want to do that. That's called rebellion, and that's when it needs to be dealt with. Don't wait till after they disobey. They are disobeying. They need to learn how to move when you say move. Not sit there and like, well, I'll get around to that. That's rebellion. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And so when you got witchcraft working in your home through a child, and I can hear some of you all thinking, you're thinking loud. Well, my, my child, my grandchild's got this, got this disorder. Well, he's got to have him medicine. You can't tell him no. You tell him no, he just goes off. Yeah. Yeah, that's because you let that go on when he was two and three. That's why. Every child has a disorder when they grow up. And it's your job to help them through it. Help them through that thing. Now, oh, somebody needed that because that, it is not in the notes. That has nothing to do with what I'm going to preach. And I guess they got on kids obeying and, and, and that you can live long on the earth. That's what sparked that. There's a lot of young people not living long because they don't know how to obey or respect authority. And they're just going to do what they want. They're lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And they're selfish and self-centered and they've been made that way. Boy, I'm just not going to get off this. The Lord, you know, I hear people say, well, if I could run the world, it'd be a better place. If I was the President of the United States, I'd make it right. You can't even run your own kids and grandkids. You were raised, you have been given children with a blank slate. They, they can't discern good and evil. They don't know right from wrong. They don't know how to respond to different emotions. And it was your job to teach them. And boy, you sure have been doing a bang up job, ain't you? You couldn't run the country. No, you can't even run your own country and your own domain. And you don't want to do it God's way. And that's why they're not going to live long. And that's why it's not well with you. Because you don't want to listen when the preacher pulls his finger down and says, this is what the Bible says. It's not my opinion. It's what he says. You want it to go well with you? Get to honor and mother and father. You say, I don't have one. Then get into church and adopt you one. <laughs> That's what church was about. <laughs> adopt you one. All right, we got to move on. And you fathers, verse 4, provoke not your children to wrath. Yeah, don't let them go without discipline. They're provoked to wrath. They, they grow up mad. And then they go out and they hurt people. But bring them up. In the nurture... An admonition, you know that word admonition means discipline, teach them away. I was teaching to teens today about planning for the future. You say, what is that? That's admonition, helping them. And these ages between 15 and 27, they're still living at home. And now, what do you want to do when you grow up? How, what do you want to serve the Lord? What do you think God wants you to do? Uh, who do you have an interest in? We, we don't ever confront our children about that. We, we, they turn teenagers and we throw them into a room. And we're like, well, they'll just figure it out. They won't figure it out. And I got news for you. I've raised children, too, from babies to the teenagers, and it's harder to raise teenagers than it is babies. I promise you. It's harder to raise teenagers than it is babies. When they're babies, about two and three, they throw a little fit. You just kind of pick them up and smile. And just say, Aren't they so cute? And you take them to the bathroom, and you wear them out. 
And then you come out and you're like, they're just such wonderful children. I just love it. You're like, yeah. But when they're teenagers, you can't quite do that. Ah. And so he said, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever thing, good thing, any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatenings, a growing or knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. But now watch this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. He's addressing the family. He's addressing the church. And he says, now finally, I'm getting ready to sign off. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on, this is a commandment, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That wiles is allurements or lures or uh, uh, tricks, deceiving. And so that began to spark the ideal on the devil loves to fish because he's going to use uh, uh, a wiles, which is lures. It got my mind thinking because it's spring, it's getting into springtime. Artificial baits and artificial lures. Wiles. I love to catch fish using wiles. <laughs> and he says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So he says, this battle that you're going to engage is not in the physical. It's not flesh and blood, but against principalities. That's not police. That's, that's not what he's saying. Stay with the context. Against powers, that's not husbands and wives, <laughs> it's not your pastor. Against the rulers of darkness, there we go, of this world. Against spiritual wickedness. So he's talking spiritual. There is a spiritual realm that is against you and it's controlled by the devil. And he says, it'll be in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Now let us pray. Let's get into it. Gracious Father, we come. We thank you. Lord, help us today. Lord, help us to understand that we have an adversary. We have a, a spiritual wickedness in high places that's stacked against us, that's going to work against us. And Lord, it's going to try to entice us and take us captive. We're like fish. Help us to have the armor of God on. Help us to be protected with His armor. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. The Bible says that the devil is our adversary. He's against anything God's for. So hate Satan hates the family. Satan hates husbands. Satan hates wives. Satan hates children. And he hates to see them together and a family unit moving and operating as one. The devil hates it when the family comes to church. And if you ever got up and just wondered, why is everything on a Sunday morning against me when I'm just merely trying to get my kids and get myself to church, but it just seems like this thing pours in from everywhere to hinder me, to put a roadblock, to put a lure in front of me, to distract me, to keep me from going to the house of God where I could get some help and hear something from the Word of God. That's called spiritual wickedness. There's an adversary, the devil. And here, in Ephesians, uh, the Lord's given us a look at to that, and that the devil's going to use lures, he's going to use tricks, he's going to use ploys uh, to catch us. So I got that picture up there. My dad drew that picture. He's an artist. He's a good one. And so uh, I put that up there because... Uh, 
That's probably me in a boat over there on the other side, but uh, I, I, he didn't say that. But uh, uh, that's a, an artificial lure. That's actually uh, a rooster tail, and that's a largemouth bass uh, uh, that's, that's been going to get caught on that lure. I like catching fish on artificial lure. won't hardly use live bait unless I'm really desperate <laughs> but i love there's no better feeling than to be able to catch a fish on an artificial bait anybody can catch one on a minnow i mean that's what they eat that's the real thing it smells like the real thing it tastes like the real thing i mean it swallows like the real thing and you get the hook but an artificial bait a spinner bait a crankbait a plastic worm that's got a hook in it. It doesn't look real when you look at it. But to a fish, you can entice that fish. That's what the devil is going to do to us. That's what he's saying here. And so the Bible is clear to say to be sober, to be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And so we, we, we're all the time thinking, okay, lion, lion, a lion, a lion. I'm looking out for a lion. I'm looking out for this lion. Well, yeah, he's like a lion. He says, like a lion, as a roaring lion. You got to be careful with those words, like and as. He didn't say he was a lion. He said he's, he's as one. And I assure you, if you watch some of these fishing shows, some of these professional bass fishermen, they're like lions when it goes to going after and catching fish. I mean, they have the electronics. They got the boat. They got the lures. And boy, they're just not going to stop till they catch something. They're like lions. That's what a lion does. A lion ain't going to stop. If a lion gets on your trail, he's going to stay on it until he can pull you down. And so the Bible says, Satan... He is loud. He said, as a roaring lion, he's loud. He's roaring. And then he's going to be intimidating. A lion is intimidating. A lion is intimidating and strong. And then he's a runner. He says, and a gunner, because he says he walketh about. One of the best fishing techniques that the pros use is a technique called the run and gun. You don't stay in one spot on the lake. I mean, if you don't like the fish, it's probably because someone took you fishing and you got in one spot and they were just going to keep you there all day. They didn't care whether the fish bit or, or not. They didn't care. They're going to wait on the fish to come to them. And that was the most boring experience you've ever had. Well, that's not how the devil fishes. That's not how I fish. There's, what is there, 100, 100, 100 miles of this lake? I'm not staying in one spot. I'm going to fish a spot about... 10 minutes and if I've not caught anything don't have a bite in about five ten minutes I'm moving and that's what the devil does called the run and gun technique he's a runner and a gunner looking for active fish that's what I'm looking for I'm looking for active fish fish that's willing to bite but then the devil is an opportunity seeker because he says he's a seeker He's seeking whom he may devour. And then he says he's a killer. He's a destroyer. I mean, if you're keeping fish, ain't that what you're doing? You're going to keep them and clean them and eat them? I don't care what the woke world says. If you catch some good fish and you're hungering for fish and you're not breaking no laws, I keep them and I eat them and, and they're good. Now, here's what I want you to see. There's two worlds. Just like as a fisherman, when I jump out on this lake, I got a boat, and I'm on top of the water, and that's called the, the, the land, the air. But the fish are living in a complete different world, and they're under the water, and their world looks different. Light looks different. Lures and colors are different, but they're in a completely different world. And that's what the Bible's describing to us. He says the devil is in the spiritual realm, and he's above you. He's in a high place. He's in his boat, and he's got you targeted, and he's going to begin to throw some lures at you. And you need to be aware of that. The reason why catching fish is good is because the fish are not aware of what's going on in the world of the air. And they can't breathe in the air. 
And so just like us, we're looking, you know, and like, well, I don't see nothing. I've never seen the devil. I've never seen this. You can't see into the spiritual world. But it's real. It's there. And that's what the Bible is saying, that there's a spiritual realm. And this devil, he's looking to take God's children captive. Fish, they live in the world, in a water world. The fisherman lives above in the land of air. A lot of times fish, they're oblivious to the goals and aims of a fisherman. And I'm telling you, the devil loves to fish. He's a fisherman. He likes to fish. And he's a runner and a gunner. He's a liar. He's full of deception. And the devil loves to use artificial bait. Now, when you go to target a species of fish, you need to know a little something about their nature. The devil, he knows about our nature. And he's going to target us with these artificial lures. Now, when I use artificial lures, I'm aware of the nature of a bass. A bass is going to bite because of one of three reasons. Number one, because it's hungry. A hunger strike. You throw a, a, a Cinco, or you throw a spinnerbait, or uh, you throw a crankbait. In this lake, I like to use crankbaits that matches the bait fish that they're eating. So my favorite color in this lake is a silver and a blue. And why is because when you get to looking at those bait fish under there, and the water, and the color of the water is here, they look, they got a bluish hue to them. And so one of my favorite baits here is about a three and a half inch jerk bait made by Rapella. And I catch a lot of fish on that. And, and, and a lot of times I catch them because they're hungry and they're feeding. But there's another reason a fish will strike. And it's called a reflex strike, reflex action. And that's why you see these professional fishermen in the summertime, they'll throw their lures to a shady side of structure, cover, a log, a bush, because fish like to stay in that shade because they are ambush predators. But you want to be able to throw that lure as close if not on top of that fish as humanly possible, because if they're not actively feeding, then you want them to do what we call a reflex strike. That means it jumps into their space so quickly that they don't have time to think and they just strike it. Why? They're ambush predators and they're opportunistic feeders. And so you'll catch fish by throwing a spinnerbait and letting it helicopter down into some cover, uh, into a, a treetop, if you can find it on the electronics. And you can see them fish down, and you just let that thing fall down in there and jig it once or twice right in front of them, and they'll, they'll just they'll nail it because it takes them by surprise. That's called a reflex action strike. So even if they're not hungry, you can catch fish on an artificial lure. But then there's another way to catch fish. And that's called an anger strike. Because bass, and I target bass, large mouth, small mouth, they're territorial. They're territorial. And you can provoke them to anger. And so you might cast a lure ten times to the same spot because you just know it's holding fish. And about that tenth time, that old fish will come up out of there. And man, they'll just bust that lure. Top water. Top water lures. That's what they're noted for is to elicit an anger strike. Because they're ambush predators. They're opportunistic. And you've provoked that fish because you're invading its territory with something smaller that's making noise. It's cranky. It's, it's loud. Uh, 
And boy, they just come out and just. Now the devil, he knows that about us. He knows that about us. And so he understands about humans. And what he understands is that humans are motivated by lust. That's a craving. That's desire. That's a carnal appetite. And humans, like fish, are consumers. We're motivated by lust. You say, I, I don't believe that. Have you ever been to the grocery store hungry? Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not the kind of person that you send to the grocery store hungry. Doesn't matter whether I got a list. It doesn't matter. I'll check it twice and swear you just didn't put it on there and I'm getting it. Don't go to the grocery store hungry. Why? Because grocery stores are set up to appeal to the lustful nature of people, especially items on the end of the aisles. They yeah, yeah, you're all shaking your head. Yeah, yeah, Food City, they teach you these psychological things that trap people into spending money that they didn't necessarily intend to spend. And you get home like you got the you got everything. You're like, well, didn't you get eggs? I run out of money. I got I got two for one Twinkies. I got three for one crunch wraps and I got some uh, no. <laughs> You say, what happened? You know, what you need to do is you need to eat a little bit before you go. Write down what you need on a list and only buy what's on that list. Because what the, what the stores know and what the devil knows about us is we have a lust problem. Covetousness. I want it. I seize it. So I want it. The devil knows that about you and me. But then we're driven by a vain imagination. Imagination. The power or the faculty of the mind by which it conceives and forms ideals of things communicated to it by the organs or the senses. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't you think this would make me look so good? Oh. I'd be the prettiest woman in the world if I just had this. Oh, my soul. <laughs> Guys, man, if I just had that $500 fishing rod and reel, I know I'd be a better fisherman. Mm, I can see it in my mind. I'm going to fish with the fishing greats. Right. Those guys can catch fish in their sleep. Some of these guys are good. I went all last year and never caught a fish. I'm not much of a fisherman. Uh, year before last, sorry. Got into them good last year. But the point is, the devil knows these two things about us. Our imagination, vain imaginations, and our lustful nature. And so he's going to create a false reality, a false truth, an artificial lure. It's designed to create in the mind of a fish a false reality. This is food. That's how I catch them. It's based on a false truth. Well, it looks like food. It moves like food. It feels like food when I chomp on it. It must be good food and then chomp and I got them. I got into a big school of fish. I was learning how to use electronics last year. I got two fish finders on that boat. Only know how to use one halfway. But I, I go to the same spots, and so I know generally what pings. And I keep going into this spot here in Kidwell's Ridge, and I always run into about 30 or 40 fish that's swimming under the boat. And they're about, they're about 15 foot down about this time of the year, a little later than this. And I'm like, I, I know there's got to be fish. It's, this thing's not making this up. It's beeping. It's going off. And I got all these fish signs. And there's big fish signs. And I'm like, I just wonder what that is. And in my mind, it's, it's bass. It's got to be smallmouth. And so I got this, I got this uh, uh, jerk bait. I was throwing a jerk bait because it's a cold water bait. And it, it, it'll, you can reel it down to about 10 to 13 foot. And so these fish... 
bass they feed up. And so they're at 14, 15 foot. And I'm like, this is good. And this thing's got a rattle on it. So it's going to make noise. And it's blue. And it's, 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 it's silver and blue. And I'm like, I, I'm going to get that down there. And I've got a good pole. And, and I'm just going to twitch it. And it, it looks like an injured bait fish. You ever seen a bait fish on the top of the water? And it just kind of wiggles a little bit. And it's still. And then it wiggles a little bit more. And it's still. Well, that's what that jerk bait does under the water, but at about 10 foot. And so it'll dart one way and die. And then it'll dart another way, and you twitch it with the, that rod tip. And you've got to have a flexible tip. And you twitch that thing a couple times, and it'll go down, and it'll go one way. It'll go another way. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, something jerked back, and the fight was on. And I didn't get that one to the boat. It straightened the hooks out on that rappella. And I'm like, boy, that wasn't no largemouth. I don't know what that was. And so I straighten my hooks back out, and I'm thinking, I'm going to throw it again. I'm finding fish. So my fish finder's not lying to me. they got to be down there, and they're feeding. It was in the early, uh, early part of the day. So I threw it out there again and hit another one. And the fight was on. And I eventually got that one to the boat, and I had a net. So I put him in there. It was a 22-inch... Uh, striper or wiper whatever you want to call them it was a big big old fish I'm like wow so I, I, I threw him in that live well because I wanted to look at him later but they were on the feed and so I threw out there again and I'm twitching that thing and I'm boy I'm paying attention and all of a sudden wham I'm fighting that, and it was a smallmouth. And I'm like, okay, there's, there is smallmouth bass in this, this group. There must have been 30 of them. And so I'm following them around with the trolling motor. I got the, I got the foot pedal. I'm following them things around. And I just started catching fish. I caught three or four more smallmouth, and they were 20-inch plus. I measured every one of them. You say, what was going on? Oh, I caught them on a hunger feed. And I was using a lure that looked like what they were feeding on. It just all come together at the right time. And I, I wore my arm out. It, it hurt. I quit. I caught some big fish. That's what the devil does. I'm going to give you three lures that the devil's going to use to catch you. Number one, the first lure he's going to use is the lure of desire. And that's going to appeal to your hunger, your craving. And the Bible warns us that the lust of the eye, we, we need to pay attention because it's part of the worldliness and the devil knows that. And you got a desire down there and he's going to catch you and he's going to throw these lures out there and they're to elicit a hunger strike, a craving strike. You could, it could be drugs. It could be pornography. It could be alcohol. It could be any number of things. It could be new vehicles. It could be work. It could be anything. But it's going to be pulled out there to get you to bite on it. This lure, it appeals to the eyes and it works through your appetite. It takes advantage of your longings and cravings. Eve fell for this lure. Remember there in the garden? He says, what about this tree? Can you eat this tree? And she says, man, I see that that's a nice tree. She says, that's a tree to be, she actually used the word desired. Oh, the devil, he's out there. Oh, I can feel it. And there was a nibble on it. And Eve bit on that lure of desire. She says, I see that it's a tree to be desired to make one wise. And she began to have a craving for what God told her not to do. King David fell for this lure. Remember? Old David got restless. Couldn't sleep one night. He got up on the top of the housetop, and all of a sudden he spied a lady over there after dark named Bathsheba. And it was the lure. The Bible says that there was a traveler that was there with David that night. 
Nathan, that wasn't just a story Nathan the prophet was telling. He said, there was a traveler that come to you, and instead of taking one of your wives, one of your sheep, you stole someone else's. That traveler was the devil, the runner, the gunner. He was fishing that night, and he caught King David. A man after God's own heart fell for the lure of desire. I wonder how many of you got the devil has got on that lure of desire. Looking at things that you shouldn't be looking at. Thinking things that you shouldn't be thinking. Doing things that you shouldn't be doing. Because you seize it and you want it. Yeah. And the devil has you hooked. Now here's something about fishing. Good fishermen just ain't going to reel that fish in real quick. Those bigger fish, because I didn't want to bend those hooks again, I loosened the drag up on my pole. And so the drag went to squealing. But there was just enough resistance there to play that fish till it got tired. And the devil, he'll let you walk about and he'll let you thrash around. You know you're hooked. That thing hurts, but he's got you and he'll play you and you think you're in control. And you, I let them fish think they're in control and they go any which way. But eventually they're getting closer to the boats every time I reel that thing in. Until then I can dip them in with a net and they're mine. And that's what the devil is going to do to you. That's what he can do to me. The lure of desire. But there's another lure he's going to use. It's called the lure of opportunity. Now this is a reflex action strike that you're going to have an opportunity thrust upon you all in an instant. And you're going to say, it's too good to pass up. A lot of people fall for this lure of opportunity. And it appeals to the lust of the flesh, the things that you want to do. I want to do things. I want to take action. I can't stand staying at home. I have to move around. You bet met people like that. Maniac Goderet was like that. He couldn't stay at home either. I'm not saying don't work. You know what I'm saying. There's some people that plan every moment of every day is filled with opportunity. They need every minute planned. My career, I need fun stuff to do. I don't care about the children. They can raise themselves. Someone else can raise them. After all, stay-at-home moms are old-fashioned, maybe even cultish. You've probably thought that. That's not right. It's not good. The lure of opportunity. It's a great opportunity. I can't pass it up. Let me tell you. If it takes time from church, watch out. If it takes time from God, watch out. If it takes time away from your family... Watch out. I've seen the devil throw this lure of opportunity in front of Christians that I thought were pretty mature, and it was a job. The devil got them desperate, and they had to switch a job. And, and, and I've heard them come in and want to act, think, and say, well, God's blessed me with this job, but there's a problem. I'm like, uh-oh, red flag. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to come to church no more. I'll catch you maybe on the holidays. I got news for you. God didn't give you that opportunity. The devil did. The devil did. Straight up. Every good opportunity does not come from God. The devil uses this lure to take captive God's children. Amen. Maybe the devil's given you this one. Because it was in our verse about providing for your family. I have to provide for my family their needs and expectations or I'm worse than an infidel. So whatever it takes, I'll work three jobs. If I have to for their provisional sacrifice, it's good. Sacrifice is good. Whatever it takes, seven days a week, 
I'll work and make it happen. While your family does without you. I have news for you. Your family don't have to eat T-bone steak every night. I bet you they'd rather have hot dogs than just have you at the dinner table. Amen. Now we got to work to pay the bills and we got to work to provide. But the devil will use that imagination. Well, I got to do this. And the whole time he's got you and your family begins to struggle and they begin to suffer because they're not getting quantity time with you. Not quality time, quantity time. Watch out. The devil hates family. The devil hates family time. The devil hates church time. And he'll do whatever. Let me, you, you need to get this. I think some people believe that the devil doesn't know the Bible. The devil knows the Bible well. And the devil will take Scripture and he'll give it to you to make you think you ain't doing what's right. Remember how he attacked the Lord? He used Scripture. Now, here's what you need to understand about the devil. The devil twists the context of the Scripture ever so slightly to try to hook you. Be careful. You need to know your Bible. How did the Lord refute? The Lord quoted Scripture. So the more you know about this Bible, the better defense you're going to have against the artificial lures of the devil. But I, I assure you, the devil likes to fish. And he'll throw it. And he'll keep doing it. And he'll keep doing it. You've got to be careful. You know... Schedules, they get more hectic as Satan throws the lure of opportunity. Ball practice, doctors, visits, school projects, jobs, second jobs, shopping, me time, entertainment time, career demands, career locations. Demas fell for that lure. Paul said that Demas has forsaken me. Why? Having loved this present world opportunity an opportunity popped up that was just too good for him to pass up and Demas never considered that it was the devil that had presented that opportunity John Mark fell for that lure remember he was traveling with Paul and Barnabas and all of a sudden, opportunity rose and he left them high and dry. So you got to get out of this mindset that if it's good, God had to provide that. No. Nah. No, nah, the devil blesses and the devil tricks. He uses, the Bible says, any means. Watch out for those opportunities. We kind of have this attitude well, if God wants me to do it, it'll work out. How about when you want to work it out, no matter what God says? Let me, let me throw this in here. You will never go right by starting wrong. Okay? That's not the opportunity God's given you. You'll never do right or go right or end right by starting it wrong. Now there's one more lure, and we're about, about done. It's called the lure of ambition. You say, well, I thought ambition was good. Well, as long as it's in the bounds of righteousness and holiness. You see, this lure, it's rooted in envy. Well, they got it. I want it too. The so-and-so bought a new vehicle. I want one. Watch out. Watch out. They got a new house. I want one. Watch out. Watch out. I'm not saying you can't have it. 
I'm just saying watch out. The lure of ambition because if it's rooted in envy, envy is I want what somebody, I'm, I'm, I'm mad they got it. Why, why they got it? And I don't. Now it's jealousy. Pride. Well, I live in America. I deserve it. It's my right. Mm, watch out. Watch out. We don't deserve anything. What we deserve is hell. Hmm. But God is a gracious God. But watch out for the lure of ambition. I'm going to be great someday. I don't care what anybody says. You watch me. I'll, I'm going to do it my way. The lure of ambition. This is who I am. This is just let me be me. Let me do me, boo. Lure of ambition. I want to be famous. Preachers fall into this trap. Preachers fall prey to this. Because they want to... Preacher, it's a hard job. And you want people to think that you're working hard. And that you're successful in numbers we've got in our mind because we're Americanized numbers are success. But we want to tag ourselves with famous preachers. You hear me talk about Paul Chapel, Brother Paul Chapel. He don't know me. I know him. He don't know me. Why? That man's done more by accident for God than most preachers do in a lifetime for God on purpose. That's why. He's a giant of the faith. Maybe John R. Rice. Lester Rolf. You've heard me say, I've met Lester Roloff. My dad's preached from in the homes. We want to tag with somebody famous because we, because the pride of life. I'm somebody. Look at me. So-and-so knows me. Because we learned that it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm, lure of ambition. I want to be number one. I want to name it and claim it. There's a new movement called affirmation. It's a new age movement where you imagine what you want and then you say it out loud and then you go after it. They got books out on that. That's of the devil. It's a lure. It's artificial. It's not right. And it's a lure of ambition. And it has to do with the pride of life. Who you think you are. Sometimes you hear families say this, I I'm going to refuse to live the way I was raised because they're resentful. Maybe you grew up poor. So when you have kids or grandkids, I'm not going to let them do without like I did. I'm going to give them everything I didn't get to enjoy. So actually, you're living your childhood through them, and you're, you're making them twofold more the child of hell. They don't have to work for nothing. They don't appreciate anything. Everything just poof, magically appears. And we got to be good to our kids and grandkids. You know me. You probably have to preach this message back to me. It will spoil our grandchild death. But we don't need to be resentful of how we were raised. Like, well, I, I just want my kids to have more than I had. Watch out. The devil's throwing that lure. And which one of us parents or grandparents wouldn't do anything for our children and grandchildren? Watch out. Facebook, you share things and pictures that are not really what's going on. It's hard to get the truth on Facebook. People put on there what they want you to think is going on in their life. Uh-huh, you know I'm right. Pastors do that too. I, I don't post a whole lot on Facebook. If I'm going to use it, it's going to be used for God. Amen. I, I'm not going to, you know what, I'm getting ready to go out of town next month. I'm going to be preaching at the big church up there. You all need to come out and do, look at me and my bad self, what I've done. Somebody give me 50 bucks. I'm, I took it and I give it to a homeless man. Look at me. Look, look, look. Flash, flash, flash. Look. Share that. Look how spiritual I am. 
that's called the lure of ambition and you just got hooked by the devil and he's reeling you in. Jacob fell for this lure. Remember, he stole the birthright. God said he was going to get it, but ambition. So he was willing to lie, conspire with his mother to go against his father, to go against his brother. Oh, the devil was all over that. The nation of Israel fell for that lure. They wanted a king like the other nations. They got kings. We want a king. We don't want God. We can't see God. God's our king, but you know, God, we need a king. Look out. Nebuchadnezzar fell for that lure. This is the kingdom I have built. Look. Look what I've done. I'm a self-made millionaire. Look, I've made this kingdom. I'm ruling the world, and God struck him down. Why? Oh, he was warned. Don't bite that lure. The devil's throwing that lure. It was a spinner bait. He's just breezing it right up underneath the surface of the water, right there by them logs. He's just bringing it out there, bringing it out there. Come on, come on. And then he poofed that skirt on it. Woof! And that skirt pops up, and he's like, whoa, bang! Yeah. And the fight was on. You see, there is a spiritual warfare. It's real. And the devil, he wants to catch you. And he wants to take you captive. You know what happens to fish when they get caught and you don't put them back. The devil, devil don't believe in catch and release. I do a lot of catch and release. Not because I catch so many fish, I'm too lazy to clean them. <laughs> I didn't want you to think I was noble. <laughs> I'll clean them, <laughs> but I gotta really be hankering for them. But the devil does not believe in catch and release. And the Bible says he'll take you captive if he can, and he'll use one of those three lures to catch you with it. Because it looks like the real thing, it smells like the real thing, and it feels like the real thing. And once you chomp it, he has you. And then it'll take God to get you off the hook. Let's all stand this morning.